Hi, I'm Dan Higginson, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Idle Hands podcast, where we hope to discuss and learn more about effective creative process. I'm joined today by Paul Badman Bentz. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good night. <laughs> the Southeast London photographer, Nick Ofrolik. Hello, uh, thanks for having me here. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Thank you. This feels like a long time coming. We've been chatting for a little while online, and myself and Paul have been talking about you for, for weeks and weeks and weeks about trying to get you on. Both, I think, we're secretly fangirling over your work. So it's, it's quite nice to finally get you on the podcast, mate. Very, very nice. Very sweet, you guys. Thank you. No worries, man. How's 2020 been for you? Uh, 2020, gosh, it was a big... Because uh, I was actually meant to finish my last year. Of, I'm, I'm on my last year of my degree. Uh, I, oh, did, yeah. I started quite late with my degree uh, in my late 20s. Um, and I was meant to finish it last year, but it all got delayed. So I, I decided to defer a year and I'm actually finishing it now, currently. Um, but 2020, like everyone else, it was a bit of a big wake up call for me. And it kind of, I made a lot of changes in my life and stuff. And, uh, it's been an interesting time and 21 has been in, even more interesting in, in a way. Um, there's, there's, I've made a few big changes as, as a person, as a photographer. What got you into photography and what did you do before photography? As an, as an adolescent and in my very early twenties, I actually wanted to be an actor like a like a serious actor like a what, what do they call it a, me, a method actor like daniel day lewis and robert de niro like a proper actor yes exactly <laughs> a geezer's actor whatever you want to call it i studied it for a bit i applied for a few drama schools because if you haven't got the right contacts usually the route in is through drama school right and there's one called rada which is the royal academy of dramatic arts which is meant to be like the most prestigious in the world. And I tried getting in and somehow I got to, there's four rounds and somehow I got to the final round, which I don't know how, because in the second round, you will have to sing a song. I can't sing. And everyone, everyone in there was singing these beautiful kind of theatrical songs. And I, I decided to do an Eminem track. <laughs> and they, for some reason, they decided to, to put me through. I don't know how, but the final round was just, it was, it was grueling. It was, um, it was, it was too much and uh, I didn't get in. And um, but anyway, as, as I was trying to build my craft as an actor, I, I would often go for walks in central London, in, in certain areas, exploring London, just trying to observe people as, as, as a way of building my craft as an actor. At least I thought that that's, that's what I was doing. And during those times, I would often say to myself, you know, you really should have a camera just to kind of, as a way of recording some of the stuff you see. And, um, years later in my early to mid 20s i did eventually get a dslr um and i started doing a type of photography it was it was street photography but i didn't know it was street photography at the time i had no clue i was doing this kind of candid work and for me it felt i just felt connected to that kind of stuff and um eventually i started looking into some of the some of the photographers some of the guys that that did that kind of stuff some of the old kind of masters and legends and all that and then I, I discovered instagram and i discovered some of the big names on instagram and and for a few years obviously i was bit by the street photography bug a bit like paul uh that's that's all i was into uh like many of the street photographers i was a bit arrogant about it you know it's it's, it's all candid street photography if it's not can yeah. it's not candid forget yeah. about it you know <laughs> um, no and then eventually that all kind of changed because like anything you want to add a bit of meaning and a bit of uh something else to, to your work. It led more into kind of documentary work and stuff like that, similar to Paul. What, what do you think made you, like, was it like you realised, like, like for me it was like I got to this point with street photography and I just thought it just lacked that meaning. What, what was I trying to say, you know? That, that, and you feel like because you're in such a crowded market with everybody almost duplicating each other's work in a way, you don't get really time to think about your own work. You kind of like, and it takes you a while, doesn't it? To get to that stage where you think, actually, hang on a minute. This isn't kind of who I am as a person right. and what, what I'm trying to say. And it takes a while. That's a, like a long, and I think some people never get there. And I think that's, for me, that's the beautiful thing about photography is that this journey of understanding yourself, I think, more than anything else, you know? Get it. And it is, it, is, uh, it is that type of journey, isn't it? It's a journey of discovery, self-discovery, uh, as pretentious as that sounds. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. I think for me, when I started to look at people's work, it was important for me. I want to get to know a photographer just by looking at their work. You know, I want to know what they're about. And I thought I need to, I need to be able to convey that through my work as well. Um, otherwise, it's just not, 
it's not going to last for me. You know, if, if I want to keep doing this stuff, it needs, there needs to be some meaning there. And I need to convey what I'm about, what, what I value, you know, very similar to what Paul has said in the past on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You were talking about earlier about method acting and, and, and that being something that was like an early inspiration for you. And, and you sort of thought that, that was the path that you were on for a little while. What did you bring from that kind of method acting training that you'd you've been doing or, or or that kind of mental preparation at least you've been putting yourself through to to go down that road what did i bring from from that kind of journey as trying to be an actor into photography just life in general what, what did it teach you about life because i'm guessing you're really studying emotion and yeah. and kind of the human condition in a in a way that you probably wouldn't have done in in every in any other study of life right is there anything that you've taken away, not just necessarily photography, but just generally as a person? Did it change you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it really did. Um, social realism, uh, it's a genre, uh, a, a cinematic kind of genre where it kind of shows the working class environment and the social environment and stuff like that. Um, I started watching uh, that kind of stuff quite early in my teens, like the movie. Are you guys familiar with Neil by Mouth? Or no, I'm, Fish I'm not. Man? Or any kind of Ken Loach movies? Ken Loach, yeah, yeah, Ken Loach, okay. So I started watching that quite early in my teens, and that really affected me. Um, and, it, and it helped me to kind of understand social groups, social structures about people who are a little bit marginalised and a little bit neglected by, by the rest of, of, of society. I think that kind of stuff really helped my understanding of the world and, and society at large. And uh, I think it just helped, it, it helped build my empathy for people. And also it's relatable to, 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 to myself with my own, my own upbringing and stuff. That's, like. a, that's amazing you should say about, yeah, I think that it's one of the main things it's given me is empathy. For that, that like, I think we all come from working class backgrounds. Like you don't know growing up that you're from a working class background, I don't think. As a kid, you're no. completely oblivious to it. And it's only as you, you go through your teens and then you begin to look back and kind of, oh God, you know, and it's this kind of, it's a bit, it's a bit shocking at first. It's a bit like, oh God. But then... Then I think photography just is a leveler in that it allows you access to people that you wouldn't normally have access to. So it's a doorway in a way, you know, it's a doorway into people's souls. And that's why I think the moving from like street photography, where it's very candid, where you're actually stopping and having a conversation with somebody, you're, you, I think you're moving past that. And I'm not, I'm not, some, I'm, I, I think sometimes I, I can be quite, I love street photography. I, I, I completely love it from my soul. And I, I think to do it really well is a craft and a skill and it's like absolutely, absolutely hard. But I, I do think if you want to put your personal voice on something and you want to, you know, show who you are as a person, I don't think street photography in the candid form allows you to do that. You know, maybe I'm wrong. No, I agree. I agree. It's very hard to convey who you are through candid street photography very very hard um, if you really look at it and study it there's like there's like three areas people follow like you have the kind of alex webb color stuff or you have the kind of cinematic night kind of sal lighter stuff or you have the uh, the black and white uh alan short what's his name i forgot his name but i know you, who you mean there's kind of three main strands that are very kind of influential in it and uh you can't really get out of that that's that's no candid street photography you can't really convey your your personality really very difficult very difficult yeah i agree with that i do find it interesting that you're approaching it from a different background a lot of those things you've just mentioned a lot of those very influential people are coming at it from a totally different place everything looks kind of polished whereas when i look at your stuff nico i i see where you're from you might be looking at things in a similar way to some of those people that have inspired you but what you're looking at is so fundamentally different and so you that it's gives it that different voice. It's a, it's a thank you. It's, it's a massive compliment. If, if I can, if, if you can get a sense of me through my work, then, then I'm doing something right. And that's, that's the aim. So I, I definitely feel you can. I think like, it's amazing that like we've never spoken, right. And we've, we've known each other for maybe a couple of years through Instagram and Flickr or wherever the, 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 but I like I feel like I know you and especially in the last 18 months two years where I think you've moved from digital to film and you've predominantly shot like I don't know I've we, me and Dan have had this conversation about film versus digital and the emotional difference that you that you can convey through um, a film photograph 
And I, I don't know, I feel there's like, there's two things happening in your work that since you've made the conscious decision to converse with the people that you meet from your community, right? So first of all, there's that step where I'm, I'm taking myself away from this, this candid street approach and I'm putting myself in a position where I'm stopping, I'm having a conversation and I'm taking portraits. But on top of that, because I think you've shot it all on film, get, I'm, I'm right, right? You have shot it. Most of the, your recent work is film, right? Pretty much, yeah, almost 100% film, yeah. And, and I, 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 maybe this is just me, and I, I, I have this conversation with all of my photographer friends, but I, I, there's something that makes it more real, something that makes it more authentic. Um, and I think it also is because of the process of your you don't know what you're going to get, right? There's, there's this element of risk that you don't get with a digital photo that you're taking more time, I think. You're, you're, and it's all about slowing down. It's all about this, this slow process. And I know, like, I, I know it bothers you, bothers you as well, but I think photography is all about endurance. Like I've, I've thought about it a lot. And if you can keep going when you think it's shit and it's not working for you, that, that's when the, usually the best stuff happens, you know? I agree about persevering and keep you've got to keep going um sometimes i have to just look back at the work i've done so far just to remind myself where i'm at and what i've achieved so far just because every now and then you'll be like oh what's going on <laughs> yeah totally totally and i think you get lost in it right you see it so often you don't it's sometimes i i find it really hard to choose like the good stuff from the bad stuff that's still like a battle i'm having daily you know i feel like i've got to jump in the the film the film conversation uh, I've, I've I've bitten my tongue for the last two podcasts about this, and I've, I've got to get it off my chest. I feel like I'm going to burst, Paul. <laughs> I, I don't buy into this spiritual thing that, that Paul does with film. Right, bearing in mind that behind me there's like four, five film cameras. I, I shoot with a Hasselblad all the time, right? So I'm, I'm there, right? I'd put myself amongst you, but I don't buy into the spiritual stuff. For me, the thing with film is... People say, oh, like the colors and it has this emotional thing. And I, I don't really buy that. I, I think there's more dynamic range and the colors are beautiful out of the box. There's less editing. But the thing, the reason I like to, to shoot film, there's, I can think of two reasons. The first is it's more expensive. Let me clarify that. Right. I'm not saying I do it for the kudos of it being more expensive. Just the fact that there's a cost for every frame that you fire slows you down and forces you to have an intention, right? So that's the first reason. And the second is this like slightly more aesthetic thing with with medium format where you're using a longer focal length, you get more compression, but you still get the width so you can you can get a bit more environment into the shot, but you with, with the compression as well. Not not depth of field. I'm not talking about like how swirly the bokeh is or anything like that i just mean in terms of that the subject looks larger than life and it has that feeling that i can't get unless i go out and buy a crazy gfx camera like uh like mr bent's over here uh so sorry i felt like i had to get that off my chest nick i'm really interested in hearing the, the reason that you've you've jumped to film because it sounds like you you started photography in the digital area yeah and yeah. Nico, just be just before you jump in i'm right okay <laughs> 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 in in the beginning obviously it was just to try it out but uh i soon realized that it kind of it works better for me well first of all there's a couple of things uh technically the way film deals with highlights is um well did, when you shoot on a digital camera it's just it's it's not there yet is it i mean sometimes the highlights are just awful that, that's just a technical technical point but when it comes to shooting with film I shoot, obviously, because of how expensive it is, I have to shoot a lot less. And that's good because I have to really think about my frames. I have to really... I'm, 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 I'm really engaged with what I'm shooting, with, with what I'm composing. And it's... You would think it's the same with when, when you're shooting with a digital camera, but it's, it's not quite... Because you know that you can just shoot as much as, as many frames as you want. And that kind of... Mm. That does change it. That does change your kind of attitude. That does change your 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 behavior a little bit and also there's the technology there's like burst mode i know any any i can use burst mode any any time i want and that kind of thing it can make you complacent i mean people will say that they, they they won't ever use it and they'll just take single shots but it's there and it's available and you're going to use it you know um and i feel like i cannot rely on that type of stuff it just makes me work harder and it will 
it benefits me as a, as, a, as a photographer. It makes me better. And it does, because I feel like it has done, you know. Um, I, I shoot a lot less. Like, it, I shoot around, on a good day, I shoot around 20 exposures, and I can get a good keepers, a, a couple of keepers from that. And it's, 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 it's a lot different to how I was before with a digital camera. I'd come home with hundreds and hundreds of pictures, and I'd get so annoyed and flustered because you're on your computer trying to swear all these digital files. It would just it'd get too much. I'm just... It feels a lot better with the negs and a lot less of them. Um, it just makes life easier for me. And it makes me a better photographer. I believe it makes me a better photographer. I hope yeah. that explains it a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it sounds a lot like you're, you're in a pretty similar camp to me then with it, to be honest. Just that kind of intention that you have to have because it would just be really expensive if you didn't. Like maybe back in the day when they had the old uh, Canon, what are they, the ES1s where you could just rapidly fire off like seven or eight frames in a second or whatever it is can you imagine that now with the 36 exposures god that'd get real expensive real quick right yeah i, I know what you mean i i, I think i'm in the same camp we agree it's intent and it's always been intent right so that yeah. uh, it's like and i i i think you you kind of hit the nail on the head and it's like digital allows you to be more laissez-faire so just just be a little bit you know, you're not concentrate. Well, but it's I, like but unlimited I, ammo, right? Yeah, it is. In a, I, th- I think it is in a way. But I also think that, you know, you, I, I still. I'm sorry. I'm going to come back to this point. But I still, if you know, there's something of the other world that a film photograph has, and even if you've got the digital preset and you're like you said, and you you're matching it and you're putting the colors side by side, and could I tell the difference? I definitely think, without the shadow of a doubt, that I could. And I think you could, and I think Nico could, and I think you could because there's something that you can't quantify in a film photograph. Like it's this 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 otherworldly quality, where it's the softness, the clarity, whatever it is, it's a mix of those things. You know, the film stock, obviously, but but it's mixed. Then that's mixed in with the the, the camera that you're using, and, and like all of these things, each each camera, if we think about it as a tool, has a has a slightly different quality. It's like you know, thirty five mil on a Leica is different from a 35 mil on a point and shoot. And, and I think it's, it's that, I think the beautiful thing is that it's understanding how these cameras work and how each of them is ultimately a tool. Like I wouldn't use a, a film camera very rarely on a commercial shoot, but occasionally I will, I'll take some extras that, you know, the client can have, but it's like because of the expense and because of his time consuming and, you know, I, I, it's usually quite quick and you want to be turning around and you're tethered and all of that rubbish. So it's just not conducive to that kind of work. But I, I, I still hold by my, my thought, my thought that you're, and I, and I think maybe it is nostalgia. And I, I'm, I'm, what I mean is because I've grown up with these photographs looking Polaroids and Kodak and, you know, through my family albums, it, it takes me to that place instantly. And I think that's what it does where a digital picture doesn't. And, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I that's what I, I think. Also, I have I'll have to say it's quite embarrassing to admit this, but I never really knew anything about metering until I started shooting with film. Um, mm. In a way, it wasn't until I started shooting film where I really learned how to to take photos, like the, the full all the technical stuff. I really you, you have to learn it, don't you? Because um, with the digital cameras, you're just looking through the EVF. You don't need to worry about metering and stuff like that. It does it for you when you're looking through it. Mm. The, and stuff so for, for beginners i feel like it's starting on, on starting with like a 35 millimeter film cameras would be really beneficial to really learn the process what was the gateway drug for you nico what was the what sorry the gateway drug what, what got you into it uh, i think maybe i started paying more attention to certain photographers and certain projects that started to resonate with me a lot more and i realized that all these people were shooting medium format <laughs> It's also the YouTube stuff uh, that you've got some of those guys on YouTube who are really quite influential and you start watching some of the videos and you think, oh, this is cool. You know, you've got some of the, what's, what's their names? Um, you've got Matt, what's his surname? Matt. Matt Day. You've got the other young guys in, in, in the, what's his name? Um, Willem Babeek. Is it Willem? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they're quite influential. You know, you start watching some of their videos, you're like, I want to try this. Um yeah, but no, it was more the projects that started to resonate with me a lot more. I kind of realised that all these all these guys were shooting medium format film cameras, and you could see it in their work. You could see the differences, you know. And I thought I need to try this. And I did. And... If, if you decide, if you um, thought about dabbling in large format yet? 
Definitely. I would, I'd like to try four by five. I think I'll start by shooting my, my, all my family members with four by five and uh, see how that goes. But I'd love to. Yeah. There's the, there's the photographer, Alice Tomlinson, who just won the Taylor Wesson. Yeah. Yeah. Her projects are beautiful. Uh, and she always, she shoots four by five. Yeah. I'd love to try four by five. It's just, it's, it's just expensive, isn't it? It's just, you need to think about that, mm. that side of it. But yeah, I'd love to try Even more intention. Yes. What kind of plans? Have you got any book plans or what, what's, 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 the, what's the, like, the future hold for Nico? Are you going to finish uni, put out your first book? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously, like, like any, any of you, uh, it would be, it'd be lovely to, to, to publish a book one day. To work with a publisher would be great, but um, I'm not going to rush it. Um, it's, all the projects I'm working on are, are very kind of long-term. Uh, the next 10 years, there's going to be some significant changes here in South East London. I really want to kind of try and capture some of that. So I feel like this project's going to go on for another 10 years, to be honest with you, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I want to take it slowly. I really want to. Can I, can I ask you the, the why? Why you take the pictures? What's, what's, what's the thing that like makes you get out and go on the street and take, pick up your camera? What's, what's the why? I think once you start answering the whys, it makes more sense. Like for me to document South East London's important because it's where I've always been. It's where I was born and raised. So it has some some of that biographical elements. Uh, it's also because of 2020 and everything else and the kind of person I'm becoming, it's important for me to celebrate the diversity of the area, to kind of be a champion of that. Um, and once you start to, to figure all that out, it becomes a lot more you feel a lot more motivated because you're adding, you're starting to add all that kind of meaning to your work, aren't you? And you, you're able to convey that and it gives you such a strong sense of direction. You said there, the person you're becoming now, I know that if I was to try and think about this, I, I probably couldn't articulate the person I am, let alone the person I'm becoming, but it sounds like you've put some thought into it. Oh, constantly. Yeah. 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 How would you describe the person you're becoming? What What's, what's changing? I've always kind of, appreciated diverse i mean i'm a second generation immigrant i think that's 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 how you describe it my mum's from israel my dad's from switzerland so i've always been around diversity in a way and then i grew up in a place where my mum was very kind of eccentric with the way she decorated where where we where where we we used to live we used to have we used to be known as the house with the curtains because she used to have these really bright Bright coloured curtains, funky looking curtains all over the house. And I used to be so embarrassed. <laughs> I feel like later in life, and as a photographer, it's what I search for as well. I, I love colour. You probably noticed in my photography, I love colour. Yeah, yeah. I kind of search for that stuff. So I've always kind of been around diversity in the sense my parents, the people we were around, the way my mum was with, with, with the house and stuff. And, and it wasn't until later that I realised that I really want to kind of start to convey that because that's who I am that's that's what I was exposed to and then um and in 2020 like I said it was just a massive 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 wake-up call and it was just like look this I need to, this is important I need to this is the kind of photographer I need to be uh this is what I'm going to do and I need to do it with confidence I need to be confident about it and there's no looking back now let's let's do this you know big assumption here are you you're studying yeah. photography right is that what you're studying at uni Yes, you get photography, digital photography. Unfortunately, they don't have a dark room. It's all very commercial, but it's good. It's good. <laughs> Is there anything you've you've taken from that that you've really applied to your own work from the university? Yeah, uh, I'm sure that it wouldn't be fair if I said no. But the first two years were not great. It's only until the final year that it's been it's been really good because we're the course leader focuses on on the on the final year students and he's great. Um, but. I'm not sure if I could answer that. I'm not sure if there is anything. Because it's all kind of, well, yeah, there's the studio stuff. I learned about flash photography. You know, when you first start to learn about that, it's like you're learning photography all over again. I mean, Paul. Totally, totally, absolutely. It's, a, it's just like, it's a whole new world, right? And exactly. it's like, oh, my God, I didn't know anything. <laughs> but it, there's a lot to learn there. In regards to the streets and, and what I, my work, my personal work on the streets, that's all... Yeah, I kind of taught myself, really, and just trial and error myself. Any big plans to take smart official lights out into the streets? Not at the moment, but I'm not. it could happen. You never know. Who was the uh, photographer who did that, who put artificial lights on the scaffold? In the, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, I know. And he basically had them coming through a box of light, didn't he? Like, and he'd flash as they walked through. Yeah, and one of them yeah. was that rabbi, and he tried to take him to court, didn't he? Uh, yeah, what was it? Was it like Alex DeCorey or something? Like, like, what was his name? 
I know what you mean. Sorry, I completely forgot. It'll come back to me. I'll, yeah, I'll... <laughs> I, wanted to, I, I wanted to do that as well. I was thinking, oh, that's a really cool idea. <laughs> I want to do that. When I first saw it, I never did that. I just wonder because like some of your portraits, like the stuff you've done in the last sort of 12 months, it's been a bit less candid. Some of that with a splash of artificial light, but still in that environment. I don't know. I think I, I can imagine that. I can see that in my mind's eye. Something to consider. I'm not sure if it would if it would be the same. It would kind of, it would change the the whole feel of the of the image. I think if you start to introduce even even a little bit of artificial light. I don't know. You could make it work, I guess. But it's just another thing to factor in. It could be I don't know because already I, I've got because I shoot with my six by seven camera and it's manual focus and it's all chance encounter moments with people and you have to kind of make sure that they're okay it's a bit it might be a bit too much you know yeah um like carrying around an artificial light i don't know it could work yeah i maybe it'd need to be a bit more of a longer term project where if if you knew certain people you go out with like intent of you're looking for a particular thing now like you think you're more focused in what what you or you still as open as when you know, you were shooting the candid street stuff. Did you think that you have a different approach to how you feel when you first started? And how has that approach changed over time, we suppose? Yeah, so the candid street photography was kind of like shoot whatever catches my eye, really, or kind of shoot things that influenced me on what I had been looking up. But now it's more, I definitely know kind of what I want to shoot now and I go looking for that, I believe. Yeah, I go looking for certain types of people and certain types of locations yeah i do feel like i know what i want now a lot more than before what is it what is it what you want because i want to celebrate and champion diversity i go looking for that as well but you don't really need to go looking far in southeast london in certain places because it's all around you luckily the other thing i was going to say i've noticed like you shot a lot of kids recently right there seems to be a lot of children in your photo and that's kind of a difficult Right, it's not you know, we, especially did in today where we have to be really careful in a way. Um, how how have you approached that? What's kind of been like, and, and have the parents been with the children? And are you approaching the parents, or the, or you just go in for it and then asking later? Well, I guess what I took away from trying to be an actor and then doing the candid street photography stuff is you become very perceptive from observing constantly. You do become very perceptive, so. I stand back a little bit and I see, I kind of read the situation. I go, I look around to see if the parents are there. Uh, sometimes I just shoot. Other times like, you have to be a bit more careful, obviously, because it's children. But these days I do tend to look for the parents and I just, I ask for their permission. You know, I, I tell them what I'm doing. I tell them I'm not a journalist. Uh, <laughs> and usually most of the time they're, they're happy to let me, to let me photograph because I guess if, if you're portraying a certain type of energy, then it's, usually they're happy you know and which i've been surprised with because i thought you do get some mums who are like no 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 chance but if you do portray yourself in a certain way then a lot of the time parents will say yes and it's i'm wondering if there was a confidence there from your from your acting days because i think that's what people really want to see if you if somebody was to approach me on the street and talk to me if if they sounded too nervous and awkward and weird i might be put off by that and think like what what is this guy doing is he a creep and your mind would wonder but if they come up to you and they're really confident and they're like really matter of fact about it then i i think that's the kind of person you're more likely to say yes to and i wonder if maybe your acting career has taught you something there I think so. I think, yeah, it laid the foundations a bit. Um, I definitely, I'm not exactly, I wouldn't say I'm the most confident person in the world, but I know how to portray confidence. Um, and I do uh, approach people with confidence, uh, seeming seemingly a level of confidence. Flattery gets you a long way. Like you get um, certain types of Southeast London lads and, and, and geezers, whatever you want to call it. I, <laughs> I, I approach them and I say to them, like, you know, I'm working on this uh, project where I'm documenting the area. You two look like some proper Southeast London lads. like, And they love that, you know. <laughs> Flattery gets you a long way and um, it really does work. You just got You've got to be a bit charming. and um... Is that what you did with those two fellas outside of that shop? Yeah, yeah. There's that one image that's immediately jumping to mind and I'm, they did look like South, South East London yeah. lads. That's exactly, that's exactly what I saw. I told them that and they loved it. So it works, you know. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, it's amazing. I, I, I love, I, 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 there's a couple really recently I was looking at your work. There's, I'm going to tell you a few. So there's, there's one of the swimming pool, the one of the, the kids on the swings, one of the guy sitting in the hoop 
Like there's a f- just, there's just there, this. Is, uh, let's talk about the the kid in the hoop, right? Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's the one you're looking at. That, yeah, that there can't be that many of Nico's photos with with people in hoops. You'd be surprised. I guess just for the people listening, go check out Nico's Instagram. Scroll down. There's a very very eye catching shot. I mean, there's a lot of brilliant work on there, but there's there's a particularly eye catching shot of uh of like a young lad sat in a basketball hoop, and the light is stunning. What, what's the story behind that one, Nico? Well, that was actually. I think we just went into the first lockdown. I think it was still March. It might have been April by then. I was actually making the transition of approaching. I was start, only just starting to approach people a lot more and actually asking for their permission. So actually that shot with the kid in the hoop was actually candid. I was taking shots of the of the fencing because there's a lovely color on the fencing. It's like a pinkish kind of salmon color. And it was late afternoon light. The light was just brilliant. Anyway, the kid got up there and he sat in a hoop and I just I just quickly took a shot with a camera. But that was actually a candid, candid shot. Yeah, and luckily it came out like that, just how I imagined it would be. It's a really nice moment. I'm actually yeah. surprised it's candid. I I genuinely thought that was posed. Yeah, me yeah. too. There you go, see? There's something amazing that you sometimes you just don't know, right? You never know, yeah. You Did you speak to those kids? After, because they noticed I was taking pictures. They were like, what, what are you taking pictures of? And I just explained it was... I'm just, document in the area have you seen them since have they seen the picture no I, i'd love to i'd love to know what that kid thought that because i'm assuming if you could find that kid you'd sort him out of a decent sized print right definitely definitely yeah yeah that's what i want to start doing actually I, I take i take everyone's details i take their email addresses and um i want to start bringing prints to people it'd be nice a nice thing to do you know yeah leave- yeah yeah, for sure. Do, do you travel around with your work in your bag or whatever to, to show people? No, because if people want to see, you could just show them on your phone. You can show them your Instagram. But I do want to start creating like a little scrapbook of, a scrapbook of images or something to show them just to... Because sh- it's a little bit more charming than just showing them. Your it is. Yes. Yeah. I do want to start doing that. It's, it's different in it when you can touch an image. That right, so I'm about to get all woo-woo on you. I know Paul's already done it. But I, I think once you put it on a page, I think that, then it gets a bit of a soul. Yeah. looking at it where it's got i don't know if there's something to do with the backlight behind it or something i i, I don't know I, I can't pin it down but there is something massively different when when you print it out nicely it's amazing that you can kind of you know see your journey as a photographer through your work that you show right and so you know you've been on instagram years nico haven't you and you were on Flickr as well weren't you nico you know Flickr? i tried it after, like about a year ago, I tried it for a little bit. No, I didn't start on Flickr. Where did you start? Were you on Tumblr? Were you on Tumblr? I was straight on Instagram. You were straight on Instagram? Sure, God, I feel like I've known you for like <laughs> my my whole life. Around, around the end of 2017, I think I started. Okay. Yeah. New lad. And where I started. Yeah. So was it literally then just uh, the walking around London on your lunches from your from your acting stuff was that literally where it started what uh, interest in photography yeah yeah i didn't really know much about it um i was i was quite an ignorant young lad um i was i was quite a, na- a naughty boy in a way um um I, yeah, I just didn't know much about it i just want i thought i just wanted to be an actor i thought that's that's where i'm gonna go uh, i just went out to observe people and then I, it kind of just occurred to me that if you have a camera you can document some of this stuff because i was also sketching some stuff i'm not i'm not a great uh, sketcher by any any means but um i just thought you know you should take pictures because it's a great way of documenting some of this some of the scenes you see um i wish i did take a camera back then when i was going for walks because <laughs> interesting times man but um yeah i didn't know much about photography at all before then i was like i said quite ignorant what came first, mate? The the sketching, the sketching game before the the photography. Yeah, the sketching. Yeah. Have you ever thought about going any further with that stuff? No, not at all. Um, it was just very, very simple, basic little sketches, just to kind of try and remember what people were wearing and what kind of more of more what they were kind of saying. Like I'd be on the trains and tubes, and people would be on their phone, and I'd kind of write down the, the, some of the, the words and the lines they'd say, just a, a way of building up material because I thought maybe I'd write as well. I also thought about maybe becoming a filmmaker. I had different ideas, you know. I just write things down, find lots of stuff on. Yeah, you 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 definitely have a big love of film because because I, I, I see it in in your your stream and what you post on your stories and stuff. And the diversity matters a lot to you, right? These are two things that I can tell there's a passion for. So they must have like 
quite a profound impact on the work you want to produce. And I suppose the more you see this stuff and the more you understand about how your voice can be as in, as important, I suppose, as as these other in, these other people, then it must really inform the work that you produce. And I suppose my question is like, do the, does the the films you you because you're quite a film buff, I know. Does that does that inform your work in any way? Does it influence it in any way? You think massively? I already I already mentioned uh, social realism. Um, I still keep up to date with that every year. There's a few kind of social realist. British dramas that come out and I, I always really make an effort to keep to, to watch all the latest ones and um, massive influence because uh, I want to I, it's important for me also to portray the working classes you know I don't go out to shoot uh, affluent people or uh, or anyone above the working classes really why is that so important to you do you think why why is that message that you want to get out into the world? What's, what comes from behind it, I suppose? I feel like, uh, well, I, I mean, I guess like you guys, I get, I'm, I'm constantly disappointed by the, the governing classes. It inspires me that you get large chunks of the working class who constantly, we're constantly moving forward despite all the kind of, 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 of all the kind of adverse circumstances and the harder kind of harder life we have to deal with compared to some other people maybe that's not fair saying that i think it's fair i feel like it's, it's the working class that should be put on the pedestal you know not 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 anyone else it's i can't quite articulate it um but it's just important for me to portray the working class because because of my own life and because of the people i'm around and um, it feels like they're your people right they inspire me yeah they inspire me and i want mm-hmm. to do them serve a good service you know I, I feel like so. I, I, I'm originally from South Wales, and I've been in London maybe fifteen, twenty years now. And obviously, being in a big city, you become uh, anonymized in a way. So you become anonymous, and that you know you can you can walk around London your whole your whole day and and not say hello to anybody. Right? You're like you're completely anonymous. You don't you don't you go back to you know if I go back to South Wales, you're like. I walk down my street and like everybody is saying, all right, Paul, how are you doing, bud? I haven't seen you in ages. I've been in London 20 years. Have you, bud? What have you been doing up there then? <laughs> Working in the city. I feel, oh, good job, that. And, you know, what I was, I think there's a kindness. There's a kindness in the working classes. There's, there's passion. They're hard work in kind individuals. And, and I, I, like, I've, I've had the luck that my wife is the, op- she wasn't working class. She was quite middle class. And so I, I married into that world. It's kind of really interesting. I just how that informs what you shoot and how you work. And I think in, in like you can see that you're from the working class and your work because these people are so important to you. You can see that in your photographs. I, I really feel that like there's there's a love in the pictures that you're taking. It's not just I'm taking a picture because I like the way this person looks. There's more to it than that. You you want to almost I, I I hate to say like it's portray their soul in a way you would try and and your soul in in one photo and it's a really difficult. It's deep, right? It's deep. It's more than just a passing interest. It's deep. Yeah, and it's it's, it's shown a kindness for another human being. And I think we've lost, like you know you you I was trying to get to that you you kind of lose that in a city. It, like people, you know, you can walk, you know, from one part of London to the other and. You know, people can be fucking mean. You know, I don't, I, I get you wrong. You know, there's some, and, and I get it. Like, we can all have a bad day. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. I think the world is too short of kindness. I think we've, we've fucked up this planet. You know, the environment's fucked. We're all going to be underwater anyway in a couple of years. So buy a boat. <laughs> Sorry, that was really dark. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also the optimism. Um, you get a lot of optimism. You get a lot of people who don't have much in the way of, of material wealth, but they're very optimistic and they're very happy. You know? For sure, that's such an important. That's a really. I think you hit the nail on the head. Is with with nothing they can have still be yeah. really incredible people, right? And, yeah, and my, have this. Ah. My mum always said that richness comes from the heart. It's, it's got nothing to do with wealth. Yeah, it, it stayed with me. So. A wise woman. I'm going to call you Dalai Nico now. <laughs> true no, i think it's i think it's a point we like like you can you can correct me if i'm wrong but i get the impression you were a bit of a troubled teenager through your through your 20s and then you kind of realized this isn't who i am as a person and it's taken you 
like yeah. through your photography, you kind of been on this journey and it's, it's taught you who you are. Right. And you may be like me. I didn't like who I was. And it, it's, it, it kind of is a, it's a weird thing. It's like a transformative and it, you still, you'd still change in, you're still evolving now, but I think that's like, that's a beautiful thing that we all do is that just by taking a picture, by stopping and pausing for a brief moment in time, that somehow that allows you to know yourself better. I think that's an amazing thing. The beautiful thing about photography, isn't it? To get to that point with your work takes a lot of inward looking, right? It takes a long, and you're still doing it, right? And it's still, that's why I think that that's what still attracts me is this idea of this, nothing is static and it's constantly, your ideas are changing and your 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 feelings about the world are changing and your individual personal circumstances are changing and this all feeds into the work that you're producing what is the stuff you're you're working on you, you've spoken about some long tail projects that you're doing at the minute nico you you said that you've got some stuff that's like 10 years in the in the making obviously it's all going to be based around southeast london and, and sort of how it's changing over the next 10 years but what specifically are you looking for at the minute uh, at the moment right now because obviously i'm also finishing my final year at university we're doing this uh, final major project where we have to create a book so i'm kind of creating a prototype on the on the southeast project just for now because obviously i'm going to carry on working on it like i said um just for now just to keep doing what, what i said i was doing just to look uh, to, to keep celebrating diversity keep looking for those people keep going to places that are, are about to to change there's a few areas i know that are going under some drastic changes in southeast london in particular i don't know if you guys are aware but they're going to be extending the bakerloo line to all the way to lewisham it, it stops at elephant and castle at the moment but it's going to go all the way to lewisham so that's really going to change the area so just to be clued up on where where things are changing quite dramatically in the next couple of years because I need to be one step ahead a little bit and just kind of document it as much as I can, the people and the place. Where are you at the minute? Are you in Lewisham or? I'm, I'm, I'm close to Lewisham Station, not far from Lewisham Station. So you're right amongst it? Yeah, yeah. You, so when, when you finish your degree, what's, what's your kind of, what's your hopes and aspirations like? Uh, so the personal stuff is obviously what keeps me driven and keeps me gan. But aside from that, um, the university, Ravensbourne University in uh, North Greenwich, they, they've been actually hiring me to help to do outreach stuff. And I've really been enjoying that. So I'll probably end up doing more of that. Uh, I might end up doing um, a PGCE, I think it is, where it's the teacher, the teacher training yeah. quality. Uh, I might be able to get something through Ravensbourne and then I can carry on maybe doing a bit of uh, tutoring with the further education students. So you have like the foundation and the access uh, students. Uh, aside from that, I want to keep, before the pandemic, I was also doing covering events. I was doing a few events and uh, as a photographer, uh, I was doing a few headshots for different people and stuff like that. Maybe try and build that up. Uh, I'd love to try and approach an agency uh, if that's possible because it seems like that's, that's where you need to kind of they do all the work for you, don't they? Commercial representation. I was having a, I was having a chat with our friend Alfred today about this this agency topic, this very topic, and uh, like I, I know what this has been said a lot, but I think having the right agent for you that like you, so you you're really clear. Like we we had Dave Cummins on, didn't we, um, Dan, last week, and so he he really focuses on like the fitness Joe Wicks kind of that, that kind of area of the talk and he just focuses on that right and and he's basically like i couldn't get away with he basically walked around a load of people in london and dropped his card off and said like i'm I'm dave cummins i'm a photographer like this is my i felt like i couldn't i just i couldn't do it he's amazing you've got to have the brass to do it haven't you like and i just like i think a lot of photographers so we like we start out kind of in similar ways like you'll do a little job for me and then you know it leads to something else and then that leads to something else and you you basically have this kind of ramshackle body, like like different areas. You know, you do a bit of corporate portraiture, you do a bit of event photography, you might do a wedding for a May, you know, and you kind of not say no to anything at all when you start. And then when you get to the point where you're trying to put a body of work together, it's really difficult because you've shot such a varied bunch of work. And and like you say, because you shoot digitally, you've got so, like, you mean, God, my, I don't even want to talk about digital photos, but... Yeah, you get lost, right? You get lost in this in this amount and body of work, and so it's really difficult. 
it's just always really difficult. It is. Um, I feel like trying to get representation commercially is just it's it's where it's at really. Because if if they do the work for you, then you can just focus. Well, you can just focus more on your personal work, can't you? And that'd be ideal, really. You need to make a bit of a name for yourself, so you have to try and enter a few competitions and stuff. It's a hard. It's a hard thing to to kind of navigate. You are right. It is super hard to navigate and sort of make a bit of a name for yourself, which it looks like you're already doing definitely more than myself and Mr. Bentz. I'm really interested, you were saying about doing some outreach. Yeah. And that sounds like it's way more up your street than even photography. That sounds like a Nico thing. Having just spoken to you for like an hour and a half now, that, that sounds to me like ultimately where you're at. Is that ultimately where you think you'll end up making most of your income from? Will that be your main gig with photography staying as like a, a passion? It's hard to know, but I would like to do more kind of outreach stuff. I'd love to eventually also lead workshops in deprived areas. It's important for me to champion uh, underrepresented voices. Uh, I want people to start. I want photographers from certain deprived areas. I want people to, to be the photographers from those areas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want, we've always historically had it where kind of, I need to be careful how, how I use my language now. No, don't be careful. <laughs> We've always had it's more. It's usually a middle class white guy who goes into a certain area, and he's the one that depicts the the area and the people. It needs to change, doesn't it? And it is kind of changing. But I would rather see people from those areas telling their own story. You know, that's more important to me. And I feel like the work would be a lot more engaging. I want to see more more of that, and I want to kind of encourage that. So I want to I want I want to encourage and support. Uh, people in certain deprived areas and let them know that there is a career in photography I think because you get a lot of people that kind of realize that it's not maybe it's not feasible uh, financially and stuff like that but that's not the case you know there is there's there's money to be made there's a career and we we want to see it we want to see we want to see stories from the from the margins you know and we want to see genuine stuff there's a reason that Gordon Parks has stronger work in the black community than anyone else that I can think of off the top of my head and it's like exactly like you say that's his that's his community that's that's where he's from everybody else that's trying to document that is doing it as a tourist but that's that's him like I mean, he's putting himself on on sea uh, type paper you know this is a, an interesting i suppose we, we've kind of wandered into an interesting topic here but do you think you know that you you can't as a as a photographer from an outsider these days be sort of i don't know it dropped into a place, shoot some work, and it and it have some meaning. Or do you think you have, for for you to understand the place and to be that you have to have lived there and grown up there? I, I I you know what what do you think, boys? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, first of all, I want to be clear. I do value when when you get photographers who go into an area they've never been before and they they build a rapport with the people and they win the trust of the people. And I really value that work. That work is important. I just want to see more. I want to see the perspective of people actually from the communities. I want to see them telling the story. I feel like that should be the majority of the majority of, of, of the photography we see rather than people always going into these deprived areas or these kind of new foreign areas. Um, I'm actually, I think you're going to ask me later in the podcast, you want me to mention a photographer, don't you? I'm actually a shout out. Yeah, I'm going to mention someone who actually goes into new areas and uh, uh, wins people's trust and stuff like that. So I, I didn't want to contradict myself. If you think about this, so your your journey now, right? So you, you you got into photography, you did a bit of candid street work, then you realised who you are as a person and what matters to you, and then from from that you kind of got into this outreach program because of your influences through Loach and those the, the you know what do you call it? Sorry, I, social. What was it? Social realism. Social, Social realism. And, 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 and how that's influenced you as a person. I, I think that's amazing. I just think it's, it, it just shows, it shows a passion and a commitment to it, right? That, that you, 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 you have to have if you want to be able to convey work that matters, that matters to you more than anybody else. It's, 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 the, it's this internal um, voice that, that, the work matters to you, and if it matters to you, and it, it'll matter to other people, I think. And, and people forget that. Like, it, it always, uh, I suppose, you try to impress and, you know, X, Y, and Z. But it's, it's, if you can create work that resonates with you, I think you'll, 
98% of the way there. Hopefully. Hopefully, sometimes. <laughs> then you doubt yourself and you're like, nah. Sure. You know, I, I think there's something to that, though. Like, just answering the the question you asked earlier, Paul, because I know you did open it up to both of us. I, yeah. I was, I was more desperate to hear about what Nico had to say about it. And I, I agree with him. It's, it's not that the work that you might create as... I sort of called them tourists earlier. Like you can, you can be airdropped into into a group of people and sort of get yourself entrusted in there and, and make some really, really strong work. Yeah. But I think we were talking about this a few episodes ago when we, I think we were talking about long tail projects and, and 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 being able to have the endurance to push through the boring bits. If it's where you are really from, that longer tail project will be much easier for you to do. So I think in the end of it, it will hold your attention longer and your work will be better for it. So I think the work that Nico is doing in Southeast London, that is where Nico is day in, day out. That's where Nico is from. The work will be stronger for it. He's not interested in doing a book yet. He wants, you know, maybe it'll be 10 years. And I look forward to that book in a decade because I reckon that book will be worth the wait. Yeah, see. Whereas if Nico does a book this year, like, don't get me wrong, his work's amazing, but I don't think it would be as strong. There's a space waiting for you, Sam. <laughs> no, but I think I think I think a lot of photographers shoot the gun too soon. We've talked about this before, Dan, haven't we? And like you know, like they, they've been on Instagram two years and they they've got their books out and 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 I, it just bothers me sometimes because I just see I, and I know I'm a bitch. I know, I, but it does. It really affects me. I'm like, come on, like you've 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 been shooting for eighteen months and yeah. somehow you're trying and. It, it, I, you know, I'm not going to mention any names. Mm. I would be very bad of me. I'd have a, a hate hate mail through the door. But but you know you know what I mean. It's like it, it takes a long time. It, it, it isn't anybody can master the technical aspects of photography in pretty quickly, right? The technical skills, you know, anybody can do it eventually. I think. Um, but it's not. It's that's that's the easy bit. The technical bit is easy. It's it's. Like I say, what comes from you, what comes from the inside, and how you can transfer that into a two D world, like it, it, it's, it's that's that's the skill. And I think people just they, they go too soon, they go too quickly. I've I've noticed that. I agree, Paul. Um, people seem to be in a bit of a rush. I think maybe Instagram's a little bit to blame for that. Possibly, I don't know, but people do seem to be in a rush, and it, it's kind of sad in a way because you are. With what you publish, you are you are leaving. That's your legacy as a photographer. You know you should you should take it slowly, and you should really invest, and you should really focus on the nuance, the nuance, nuance. I can't pronounce the word. <laughs> nuances that come with change, that come with time and change. You know, you really need to kind of invest and, and focus on that, and it, it takes it takes time. It really does take time. A fine one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think that's beautiful, Nico. Honestly, no. Like yeah. it's, it's been really lovely chatting with you because, you like, you like I say, we like we watched your work from a distance for a while. And if I was, like I said, I did think you were Italian, Nico, eh? Hey, I'm Nico. <laughs> I'm Nico from Southeast London. I thought I can imagine you going up to all these kids, going, "Hey, it's Nico. Would you like an ice cream?" <laughs> and now you're like, "Oh, I might. Would you like an ice cream?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I could never get bored of the accents, Paul. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Because they all sound Welsh. They all just sound like they're all, you know, they're all a, like a flavour of Welsh. Yeah. There's a massive Italian uh, people, loads of Italians in South Wales. Is there? Yeah, they they came over basically, and they made lots of ice cream parlours and stuff. So the the Sodolis are a big ice cream family in South Wales. Yeah, I grew up on ice cream from the Italians. <laughs> Hey, Paulo, would you like a nice Karim? Sorry, you sound like an Indian. I'm really bad. I'm really bad. Apologies for the accent already. I'll stop. No, 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 never stop. One day I'm going to do a supercut of all of your accents because so far we've had your Bruce Gilden, uh, like New Yorker accent, was fantastic. I think now is episode two. That's that's already gone into the memory banks. That's amazing. There's more French accent than I can shake a stick at because... Um, it, it wouldn't be an episode of the Idle Hand Society without a mention of the famous Roman, who is basically the, the, the third, the third host. <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> we always get the French accent. That's that's beautiful. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the Italians, the Italians, it's good. It's not my favourite one so far, but it's up there. <laughs> and there's no Italian in you at all. Right? I got completely wrong. So there you go. 
that Nico is not Italian. You can maybe you could be Italian to me, Nico. Whenever <laughs> we speak, you could just go, all right, the ball. <laughs> I think this is probably about the time of the episode where we should maybe we should do our shout outs. Um, Nico, you, you said you, you already had yours ready. I'm going to change things up because I always ask Paul first. Yeah. Um, there's two uh, fairly young photographers around my age, I believe in, in their early thirties, mid thirties. Uh, one, I, it was hard to choose uh, out of a, a lady called Laura Panic that you guys might be familiar with. And this young guy around my age called uh, Sam Greg, uh, but I think I'm going to go with Sam Greg for this shout out. His work inspires me a great deal. He's on Instagram. You can check his work out on Instagram. He's hard to he's hard to follow because he's never in one place for too long. At the moment, he was in Mexico for a little bit, but he's mainly been shooting in Naples, in southern Italy, which is such an interesting place. And he, when he's not there, he's back in Britain and he's constantly, also constantly shooting in Britain and he's working on a project on Britain and then this project in Naples. And he has a way of building a relationship with the community and they trust him and he has, he he portrays them in a, in a way that's kind of sympathetic and he's very sensitive and, but the work is very gripping. It's, it's, if you're not familiar, you need to check out his work. He also did a project in Bangkok for a little bit. Yeah, he's just someone you really need to check out. And I'd love to have him on this podcast if you want. Yeah, I was actually going to say, so a bit of inside baseball. We've got a fairly decent listenership now, I think. For anybody that doesn't know, when we speak to people that are going to be guests like Nico today, we do ask them if there's anybody else that we should talk to. And Nico mentioned Sam Gregg's work. In fact, he didn't give us any information whatsoever to go on, yeah. except you need to check out Sam Gregg, which I did. Yeah, and I I'm a little bit in love me too, yeah. Do you yeah. know Sam? I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. Uh, I feel like he's one of the he's going to be one of the big names in the future. His work is incredible. I'm going to reach out to Sam and I'll put you two in touch. Nice. <laughs> when lockdown ends, we're going to have a big like first barbecue. So you can everybody who's been on the podcast for the first three months will all come and have a few steaks. That's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm up for that. I'm up for that. Are we going to your studio, Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come your to my studio. studio. Come to we, we haven't mentioned your new studio on the podcast. We, we had this conversation off air. So if you think that Paul's mic sounds really echoey, it's because he's in an empty room that he built two hours ago. It's, <laughs> he's just put the last <laughs> lick of paint up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't build it, thank God. If I built it, it would, wouldn't be anything like this. I, <laughs> I, I can, can guarantee. It took me like, so I had to take a shed and a trampoline down before I, this building came up. And it took me about a week just to dismantle a shed and the trampoline it was painful like it, it, the trampoline had rusted and you couldn't pull the pipes apart and i was there yes. and I was kicking it and punching it you know painful you're just getting on a bit now poor i think that's Get the it, yeah <laughs> I, I am mate i am a bit rusty everything's a bit rusty everything's rusty <laughs> paul talk to me yeah mate, i'm gonna give you a bit i'm gonna give you a bit of music this week i've been really like i've been listening because you know I've been I've been driving a lot this week and I've been listening to a lot of six music and I've been listening to a Manchester band that I kind of I think they were around in the late 80s early 90s and through that era 90s 1000s um I'm going to tell you the name of the song and I'm going to ask you if you can tell me the name of the 90s band and so the name of the song is All the Colors of You right that's that's all you're getting oh it rings a bell I'm 35, mate. So in, in the 90s, this... I was pretty young. Say the band. I'm going to write that down. Say that again. All the colours of you, and then and it was basically Manchester band James. It's a great tune. It's got it's, it's a bit like the War on Drugs, and it builds and it's like this. And I I wasn't a big lover of James growing up myself, but this this is a special tune. You go and enjoy it. Put it on loud. Put it on loud and run to it. Right after. What... I'll whack it on. James, all the colours of you. Mine's a song as well, funnily enough. This is probably something that Paul's already aware of because I've been banging on about this lady for ages. Art School Girlfriend just released a new single today. It's called In the Middle. It's phenomenal. I've been listening to Art School Girlfriend for a couple of years, actually. Um, me and Tanya are just really into her. Still desperately waiting for an album. Wish she would get on and do an album. I think she's originally from um, from North Wales, Paul. Is she? Yeah. Bloody hell, boys. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she's a, a local lass now though i think she um 
I think she what? either lives in like London or like somewhere in the southeast. So, and, and what's her music like? What what is it? It's not it's punk, a, is it? It's not punk. It's not that wall of noise. I'm killing myself, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> there is something quite punk about it, but it's definitely not punk. It's very chilled out, atmospheric, kind of electronic, but it's got it's got proper instruments in it as well. It's really difficult for me to explain without sounding like an old man that has no idea what he's talking about. So. I implore you to go and listen to it and make up your own mind. And the second you're done with her new single, just go and listen to everything else she's done because it's amazing. Art School Girlfriend. Their actual name's Polly, Polly McKay. Um, I wish I'd had an Art School Girlfriend. That would have been nice. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't even know Art School existed when I was in school. You were just there rocking out to James. (laughs) (laughs) All the colours of you. Anyway, no, sorry. Let's Let's stop this up it's really good like the it's just it's got all these nice little atmospheric textures in it it's it's really deep layered well thought out kind of chilled um yeah really good i would play it now but i don't want to rip anyone off of like royalties and all that kind of stuff so go and check her out go and support her go and buy a record it's amazing and just before i end i just want you to know that in these new recent podcasts that dan has become a real talented musician and he's been putting way, 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 way chords on the, the start of it now, Dan, haven't you, mate? Talk, talk, talk about the process. Talk us through it and how you created this piece of music. Oh, this is embarrassing. The process, the process was I opened up a Logic session and I opened up one of the synthesizers in the Logic session and I pressed mm. two keys. Mm. <laughs> that's it that's the process yeah it wasn't the most inspired work i've done in the world i listen to all my podcasts on double speed um, you believe that so they took not know we went to the show yeah 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 it's like getting any of the information in like i i have to slow it down if anything like speed it up <laughs> like man my head hurts so even the idea of that like god <laughs> it's because you're welsh mate <laughs> <laughs> no i don't yeah, know i do I have just... to I just listen to the words that are being said, Paul, when it goes and, in. And, no, but do you, like, do you, with, can, like, okay, okay, I'm going to do an experiment with you, Dan. Right, okay. What I'm going to do is, I'm, you're going to play a podcast on double speed, right. and then I'm going to ask you 10 questions on it, and to see how much of the information you can retain. Okay. You reckon you can retain, how much do you think? 100% of the information. <laughs> you're a robot, you're not even fucking real. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <I>, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no no it's fine you just listen to somebody talk you hear the words and there's no like cognitive overhead i'm not having to to search in my memory banks to translate it back into english for myself are you dri- are you i just dribbling? hear the words are you like are you got this like and you've got a little bit of dribble <laughs> plug myself into the matrix and it's just going <laughs> no and I, I was talking to my friend mo about this the other day and he'll be ecstatic that he's getting a mention he's probably sat there right now in his villa in france like losing his mind over the fact that we're talking about him. But he's he's one of these guys that speaks loads of different languages. He speaks like Arabic, he speaks French, he speaks English. I'm probably forgetting about 16 other languages. He probably speaks Russian or something. I've got no idea. But but yeah, we were having this conversation the other day and he can't work out how I listen to podcasts and double speed either. But I don't know. I just, I, I, don't, I don't really feel like I need to, I can you just hear not, the words that are being said. You are not real. I don't know, Paul. There's, there's, I don't have many talents in life, but maybe listening to people speak fast is one of them. I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop, so <laughs> maybe that's what it is. You come across like a very sharp person, Dan. Like you process stuff quite quickly. Yeah, Nico, you, Nico. Nico, can I get you to do the Eminem rap before you go? <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Man. That could be our sign-off instead of the sound. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. All right, I have got one more favour to ask of everybody listening. Right, this is the first time I'm asking, and it might be the last time for a while because I'm not really into asking things of people. You're already giving me your ears for like an hour. When I put this podcast out, I like to cut out the middleman wherever possible. I've just uploaded it to all the different podcast players in one go. As a result, I've got no idea about demographics. I don't know how many people are listening in. I've got a rough idea, but I don't, I don't know exactly who's listening, where you're from. We've got an Instagram page. There's nobody following it. If you guys could go follow at Idle Hand Society on Instagram and just say hello, just so that me and Paul know we're not talking to ourselves. I'm pretty sure we're not, but it would be nice to know that there's other people out there. Right, that's that's my one bit of self-promotion done out of the way, and that might be the last time I ask you for quite a number of episodes. So 
just do us a favor go, go and just go and give us a little follow just follow because we've only got 37 followers like come on come on 37 people like you daniel and they like me <laughs> i think i might be three of them <laughs> my mum, my dad my my kids i got i got my kids set in instagram accounts individually my grandma she's dead <laughs> you said you got inconsistent so it will grow you guys yeah. have been yeah yeah we're, we're nice and consistent they do say so seven is an auspicious number in a lot of cultures i've heard that once you get to the seventh podcast that's where you can actually say that you're a podcaster i, I don't i'm told that you're not allowed to say it before that but after that you're all right so there we go paul nice we're officially seven is amazing isn't it i was saying like like one of the things one of the beautiful things about like doing it like you know i, I know there's loads of podcasts out there but one of the joys of doing it is that this understanding that grows again, you know, because you're speaking to other people about the work that they're doing and, and the why. And then it kind of, again, it's just almost like it's a feedback loop. It kind of feedbacks into what you do. Um, and I, I love it for that. Just, I just find it a beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing. And like, I just, I, like, like, I, I can't wait for Thursday evenings, Daniel, just to see who we're going to speak to next. You're with, it's your wife next week, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, I look forward to that chat. Do you know, do you know Josh, um, Nico, Spicy Meatball? Do you know, have you, have you met him? Or... I met him a couple of times and we've spoke a bit on, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Is he coming on? Yeah, we got Josh. He, he was, he messaged me today saying he was going to fill out the form and, and you should have said one. He was doing it. He was on it, Dan. So, yeah, I, 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 but I, I, I kind of, one of the things Dan wanted to do with it is, is not just make it photography based, but, and also not just shine a light on people who've already made it. Like I think it's really important for us, like as working class lads, to back each other. You know, I think that's that's like nobody else is going to drive our bus. Basically, working we've got to drive us. You're in like you know? your fucking mansion at the end of your garden, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I am still. It's in my roots. I'm fucking not posh, all right. <laughs> but I understand it. There's an empathy there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Now you've left the rest of us behind. <laughs> my home oh. studio, my garden. Yes, but you. But, but is, is this stuff all still podcast? Am I cutting this out? Or are we still going? <laughs> no, no, cut it out for fuck's sake, Daddy. <laughs> I like leaving this stuff in. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's let's say goodbye. Um, yes, thank you, Nico. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully, we'll have a, like I say, we'll have a barbecue when the fucking doors open and we're allowed to meet each other again. I cannot wait. Thank yeah, you for tuning nice. in, everybody. It's been amazing. <laughs> right, 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 let me right, stop the I recording. Stop?